I sing Hosanna when I want it all Then I crucify the Son of God Cause He isn't who I always thought Not what I want, but what I needed I sing how great and mighty is the King Just as long as He considers me High above every other thing Even His glory Friday. Um, I know there's some people that are still looking for some seats. We might have to raise one of the curtains up. Maybe if someone could grab that, um, that would be helpful. Um, Good Friday is a different kind of service for us. Um, It's a chance to pause and take a breath. There we go. A lot more seats. Um, and uh, I'll give those a second. There we go. Uh, we start a journey on Ash Wednesday um, called Lent that is one of the two great journeys of the Christian year. Um, Advent is the journey from darkness to light. And Lent is the journey from death to life. And to experience Easter, we really have to get really acquainted with death. And we started Ash Wednesday there. And on Good Friday, we take time to remember the cross. There will be um, like a different pace that most of our services will have some time for reflection and prayer. We'll have some responsive readings um, where we get to kind of enter the story together. Um, but as we uh, as we head towards um, singing together, would you would you stand with me? And I'm gonna um, give us a word of prayer. And if you would, maybe just close your eyes and turn your attention to God's presence with us. And 
we pray to the crucified God. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us. You who became powerless while we strive to be powerful. You who offered yourself as a sacrifice while we strive to control our own lives. You who forgave your enemies while we hold grudges against our friends. You who reversed our first parents' choice who decided to reach for something that would make them like God. And you decided to empty yourself and become like us. Reveal yourself to us today, the crucified God. Amen. Would you sing with us? How deep Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That he should give his only son To make a wretch's treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turned his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the cross My sin upon his shoulders A Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. If I don't know you, would love to meet you. We're going to do something um, maybe a little different with our scripture reading. And I just want to read it over us tonight. And I don't want to feel like we're going too fast. So I just, I really want the words to just seep into our minds, into our hearts. And so you may find it helpful to um, maybe right where you're at, just close your eyes as I read. 
You can put your hands out like this if you're comfortable. Just whatever you need to do to get yourself in a spot where you can hear these words from Scripture. So I'm reading from 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is the word of God for the people of God. Just stand with me and sing. Yeah. Is it me or you? I think it's you. It's me. It's me. We waited too long. I waited too long. You can sit out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> my bad. Oh my gosh, that's great. Oh. Um. <laughs> When was the last time the cross offended you? Uh, we, there's a problem with humanity. Um, it's sometimes called familiarity blindness. You know, it's, it's when something isn't right, but we see it so often that we don't notice that it's not right anymore something that should be getting our attention. Sometimes it takes someone pointing it back out. We, we see it again. I, I um, cook a lot, and maybe particularly I notice anybody ever try to get a really good sear on a ribeye steak in a cast iron skillet? You know what I'm talking about? I have to remove the um, smoke detectors and put them, put them in the garage before I start. And uh, because, because, man, if I'm trying to get that thing just right, it puts off a lot of smoke. There's this thing that happens where I don't even notice the, the smoke. Until I, until I step outside, it can be for 30 seconds and come back in and I'm hit with my whole house. It smells like it. And Paul, in this writing to the church in Corinth, Part of what he's doing is he's trying to remind them of how strange the cross is. 
but maybe they've had trouble seeing it. The, the church is known for this. Martin Luther was deeply frustrated with, um, with the church about 500 years ago. And one of, the, one of the things that he points out is we cover the cross in gold. How strange. Sometimes people even cover it in flowers. And we're talking about a rugged, splintering piece of wood that we crucified people on until they suffocated to death. And we've turned it into jewelry. And God help us, sometimes in history, people have even put the cross on top of their own crowns. How insane that we take a symbol of a God who gives his power away and moves himself to torture and death and we use it as a sign of our own power? Something that makes us feel better than somebody else? How insane. I don't know anybody that has an electric chair necklace. But we have familiarity, blindness with the cross. He had a phrase in Latin. You know, he spoke German, but he used Latin regularly, Martin Luther. He said, crux probat omnia. The cross challenges everything. The cross challenges everything. And often, as disciples of Jesus, as Christians, we can forget that the cross still challenges us. It doesn't just challenge who we used to be, although it does. It doesn't just challenge the world out there. It challenges us. You know, Luther lived in a time when the church had forgotten what the cross was about. And that was maybe quite the caricature of what we do, what I do constantly. I forget the cross. Jesus lived an incredibly disappointing life to the people around him. He was constantly disappointing them and challenging them. And the cross is so strange in that it holds some things together. It both means that God is way more welcoming and inclusive than we can stomach. And it means that God is way more exclusive than we feel comfortable with. Jesus both welcomes anybody to him, people that we think, I don't think they're supposed to be here. And he says, I am the way to the Father. He says, you must be perfect to see God. And he welcomes the sinner. And we struggle, I struggle on both ends of what the cross means. Jesus is too soft for us, who won't stick up for himself, who will not defend himself, who lays himself down, and he is way too unyielding for us. He will not quit on what he has said is true. How long has it been since the cross offended you and challenged you? It's maybe been too long for me. Maybe we're really comfortable with the fact that the cross gives strong identity but really challenges us on how worldly Jesus is. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe we have a hard time accepting the fact that God came because we are sinners in need of redemption. We're just really cozy with the fact that God loves us as we are, which he does. The cross never stops challenging us. Forgiveness Forgiveness, which is something Jesus issues at the cross, right? 
one of the things of forgiveness, if someone says, I forgive you, you know that there's an implicit accusation there, right? Forgiveness is not needed where there is no wrong done. Forgiveness starts with the acceptance of an accusation. And today, here on Good Friday, maybe we can, we can say, Lord, where do you want to challenge me by the cross today? What part of my life does the cross say no? No. Maybe we can start there together. Well, we're going to do a little responsive reading. So this is going to take some participation from you guys. So you with me? Okay. We're going to step into that moment, those moments leading up to the crucifixion of Christ, where the crowd was saying, crucify him, crucify him. And so your parts will be in yellow. There are lots of exclamation marks, so you just, just belt this stuff out, okay? And I'll begin. You have watched as Jesus rode into Jerusalem this week. You waved palm branches and cried out. He was arrested. You followed him to the trial. And they came to you and said to you, you aren't some of this man's disciples too, are you? Are you sure you're not some of his disciples? I recognize you. You're definitely some of his disciples. And so Jesus was handed over to Pilate. And what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? I don't see any reason to kill him. Why don't you release him? I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Jesus is taken and crucified. God is hung on a cross. This is the final battle. Here on the cross, the war for the world is ended. Jesus replies, My kingdom is not of this world. Jesus replies, Take my body. It's broken for you. It will become food that gives life to all who eat it. Take my blood. It's poured out for you. It will become drink that quenches eternal thirst. I am pierced for your sins. I must be lifted up so that whoever believes in me may have eternal life. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. And with that, God dies. Behold the Son of Man lifted up on a cross. Look at him. Behold the bread of life broken. Look as the blood of a new covenant is poured out. 
See the nails that pierce him for you. This is the good shepherd who has given his life for us. Even now he is breathing his last. Even now he is crying out. Listen, can you hear him? What were his last words? It is finished. It is finished. I mean it this time. Why don't you stand up and sing? Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the that guides my
Jesus lived a disappointing life. And the cross was the ultimate disappointment. It was, um, as we've talked about in recent weeks, it was reserved for the worst of the worst, reserved for the cursed, reserved for those that you might not ever want to speak about again. Roman historian Cicero said that the word crux shouldn't even be said in polite company. And yet this thing that challenges all of us is the absolute center of what we believe. This thing that not just challenges the world, but challenges the church. It challenges the church because we're always, in some sense, on the wrong side of the cross, aren't we? We always, we're never done being challenged by the cross, but somehow the wisdom of the cross also challenges everything that would condemn us. It challenges everything that says that we need to do more. As we often forget, um, Paul is writing this group in Corinth. You know, who if the Colossians and the Ephesians and the Galatians were getting wrapped up in the legalism of trying to be Christians, the Corinthians were getting wrapped up in living like the world and using the cross as their excuse. You know, we're always on the wrong side of the cross, aren't we? You know, it's one way or another. And, and to kind of pull them back to center, in verse 26 of chapter 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. What a weird way to talk to people. He's like, do you remember how you guys were kind of dumb? <laughs> and not super important? And no one cared what you thought? Do you remember that? He says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And when he's talking about the cross and how it challenges everything, he lets that sting a bit and he also says how that is the absolute beauty of it. Because we live in a world that says that wisdom is earned by being smarter than the person next to you. Right? It says that relevance and being made right is through striving and earning. This is, this is how the world does it says that relationship is based on um, contract. And can I get what I need out of this? That is the wisdom of the world. But he says, remember that the cross, the cross, this thing that is always challenging you, is also the thing that is always welcoming you because it says no to the way that the world does things and offers us something completely different. 
an entirely new way of thinking about wisdom and being made right. You know, I, I remember several years ago when I was just, man, I was really struggling with, um, with some stuff at work. I just couldn't figure some stuff out, and it was really driving me crazy, especially because it was like impacting people. People were struggling and being hurt because I couldn't figure some stuff out as a leader. And I went and sat um, in somebody's office and was kind of just spilling it out, you know. And he said, you know what I think the worst case scenario is? And that was enough of like, I'm listening, you know. Um, um, you know, I'm thinking that I, lo- that I lose my faith as a Christian and, you know, go, uh, go work as a garbage man for the rest of my life. I don't know, like, but... What do you think? The worst case scenario. And, um, and he said, I think the worst case scenario is that God would send his son to us and that we'd murder him. I think that's the worst case scenario. So we've already done that. So this can't get worse than what God has already used to redeem the world. Okay, that stuck with me. And the cross, the thing that caused Jesus' disciples to walk away from him, his disciples to walk away from him, the thing that the Romans used to execute him, the thing that the religious leaders begged Rome to do because Jesus just didn't fit into anybody's box, has become for us the wisdom of God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You know, the wisdom of God. We think that wisdom is about earning. It's about being more than. And the wisdom of God says that he is with the weak. The cross shows us that God is with the weak. That we find God in the strangest place, the God, the place where God himself questions if God exists. Right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As one theologian says, on the cross, God becomes an atheist. And it's in that place that God is most present with us. It's in the place where God is most human that we find God most present. This is the wisdom of God, that God is with you in your doubt, that God is with you in your struggling, that God is with us in our sin. He is still for us. The cross is always challenging us, and it is always challenging the notion that God is far away. He's always with us. We see it on the cross. The cross is, is our righteousness, Paul says. Righteousness is a word that maybe we misunderstand. Righteousness, we, at least I grew up in, you know, um, evangelical um, American church world. We talked about righteousness as maybe like a legal status, like am I good enough You know, bad enough? Righteousness is a relationship word. It's about am I, am, are we good? Are we good? Am I, am I connected to you? It's not about our legal status. It's about the state of our relationship. And the cross challenges the notion that we have to do anything to be in good relationship with the God that has pursued us all the way to death, all the way from heaven. One of, one of the, the best theological statements, I think, in, in modern worship music is one that has gotten quite a bit of press online if you care about this kind of stuff. I hope you don't. Um, it says, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you came down. that righteousness is not based on us, it is based on God. Holiness, 
holiness. It's not just that he accepts us as we are. It's that by the cross, he challenges the notion that we can't be made right. You can be made right. Like internally, like not just acceptable as the mess that you are, and you are a beautiful mess. Not just acceptable, but that he's going to make you holy. And we can see that on the cross. That he has come to clean us up and take us through the process of making us new a step at a time. And he won't leave us to just be the mess that we are. He takes our hand and walks us into holiness. The author of Hebrews says that by the cross, he has forever made perfect those who are being made holy that we are already perfect and we are in process of being made holy. And we can see that on the cross. It challenges the, the odd Christian idea that says that I'm always going to struggle with whatever I'm struggling with. Or I'm always going to be just a sinner saved by grace. God has plans for you to become a saint who walks around carrying heaven with them. And that carries us into, into righteousness and redemption that it is our redemption, that, that God is pulling us into his plan to redeem the world, and we see that by the cross. That any lie that says that you need to be on the sideline watching God do his thing, and you just hope that one day, you know, like, it might include you. You are in on God's plan to redeem the world. How about that? Have you thought about that lately? That you are a part of God making the world different and redeeming all things. You know, this notion of forgiveness that first it brings an accusation and says, you have a problem. That is quite the challenge. But when someone brings us forgiveness, that gives us the chance to be made right, to be swept up in the gift that is being offered by saying, I'm sorry. I want to I be with you again. I want to own my mess. And I want to be made right. And the cross, the gospel is not you're fine. God did not leave heaven and come to die for us to let us know that you're fine. I'm not. I don't know if you've met you, but you're not. <laughs> right? We're not fine. The gospel is that Yes, we were made in God's image. And yes, we have sinned and rebelled against his love. And we are opposed to his cross more than we know. And he has come to carry us home and make us who he has always dreamed about us being. If we will just say, I'm in. I'm in. Long road. But I'm in. He has forever made perfect those who are being made holy by the cross. So today, crux probat omnia. What in you does the cross challenge? Does it need to offend? And what outside of you that would attack you that would try to get you to believe a lie, that would try to say you're not worthy, what outside of you does the cross stand between you and that thing and challenge that lie? Because you are made in his image. You have been redeemed. You have been brought home by his blood. He has broken his body for you. It challenges us, and it challenges everything that's against us. Right now, I'd like to take some time, and we're going to pray and reflect. I want to give you some time to be with this God of the cross. So if you would, 
Um, find whatever posture is helpful for you. It might, might be helpful to close your eyes. Um, you're invited if you want. You can, you can get out on the floor. That's okay. Or get on your knees. You can stand and lift your hands in the air, whatever it is that you need to do in the moment. I not, not just invite you to, I would encourage you to. And so right now, would you just let the Holy Spirit bring to mind um, a scene in your imagination, which is a gift from God. Where you are at the foot of the cross. As scripture says that the sky is dark. There's the smell of blood and death. And you're close enough to the man on the cross. If you wanted to, to reach out and touch him. Just picture him as he struggles to breathe, as he pushes up on the nails to inhale and lets his body collapse as he exhales over and over again. about this and what this means challenges you today. What about God and his radical holiness and radical inclusive love would offend you if you would let it push on you ask you to repent today what would it be you just tell him I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry and hear him say father forgive them Father, forgive them. Would you just tell them thank you for your forgiveness? Thank you. And now as as you're in front of this offense, this scandal, (laughs) 
What lie from the world or from the evil one or from yourself about how much you are worth, about your identity, does the cross challenge and say, where the, where the cross says they are mine, they are forgiven, they are worth it, they are made whole, they don't have to earn a thing, they are going to be okay, I will pull them into my plan. What thing, by saying that, does the cross challenge? And would you receive the truth that he says you're worth it? And that yes, the cross is always opposed to us and it is always for us. We can know that God is for us when we see the cross. This is God. This is who God is. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand? Sing with us.
Let's do the chorus. Can we sing that? Behold the lamb, sing it out. The story of redemption on his head. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. Oh, we sing your praise. send you out. Um, first, just wanted to remind you our Easter services. We have one tomorrow, Saturday at 530, um, 8 o'clock, 915, and 11 o'clock on Sunday. We would love to see you there. Invite people. There's some invite cards out in the lobby. It's not a, not too late um, to invite somebody. I, I was at a food truck this morning, and the young lady making my crepe said, do you have plans for Easter? And it was so natural and sweet and normal. And, and I thought, I should be doing that, right? 
Invite somebody. Say, do you have plans for Easter? Um, be great to invite them. I want to send you in the name of the God of the cross, the crucified God who offends us, offends us with the scandal of the cross, and it never stops, and who is always for us by the scandal of the cross, the great welcome of God who throws his arms wide and says, they are mine, and all will be well by the cross. And we love you, and we'll see you on Easter.